Hello and welcome to Kyrinos Finsight, the podcast that explores some of the most pressing topics for financial services. Insights that help you navigate today and anticipate tomorrow. Hello and welcome to the Kyrinos Finsights podcast. Today, my guest is Rich Martin, who is Director of Real Estate Lending Solutions here at Kyrinos. Welcome, Rich, to the podcast. Before we dive in to talking about mortgages, can you tell us what your role at Kyrinos entails? Yeah, Rucker, thanks for having me. So in my current role here, I lead over our home equity and mortgage verticals. And that can be anything from the product and solutions, so the front-end solutions we deliver to market. That can be uh, as well as, as some of the advisory work that we do within the capacity of equity or mortgage, but really kind of end-to-end in terms of what's housed within each of those verticals here at Kyrinos. Well, you always bring great insights to, to any uh, of the thought leadership that you're doing, so happy to have you here. If you could pick one word to describe the state of the mortgage market right now, what would it be? I think my word would be challenged, but but I would say that with 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 a follow-up. I think it's hard to depict kind of anything going on right now specific to just mortgage or the lending environment. I think it's hard to, to say one word. I, I avoided saying recession because I just feel like that's being uh, overused in today's sort of landscape, but, but challenge, but following that up with potential. Certainly everyone's scrambling from a, a cost cutting or an expense standpoint right now in the marketplace, you know, volumes down for virtually everyone. You know, we're finding mortgage banks, uh, traditionally independent mortgage banks pivoting to equity, which is something they've never done previously. We're seeing a little bit of credit availability open up some, so people going you know deeper into the buy box. But I would say potential for those that are, you know, have strategic focus on what's occurring, have been through this before, so have what I would say, you know, the seasoned leadership, this is a very cyclical business, as everyone often says, but those that have been through it before, I don't think we've been in this environment where we've seen the the rapid and sort of exponential rise in interest rates, certainly challenge, but potential. I think for those that can weather the storm, those that can find ways to invest in technology, both from the expense side, but also from the production side, create new efficiencies, those that are opportunistic from an M&A perspective, find ways to go grab volume, but do it with similar uh, overhead or corporate expense picture. Yeah. So I see that challenge too. And, and to your point, right? Like everyone recognizes there are already cycles, but every cycle is slightly different, right? And this again is, is a different cycle. Origination costs now are at all-time high. What does that mean for lenders and borrowers? I would say from the lender side of the equation, I, I kind of talked about it briefly there. I mean, profits are constrained. So you've got, from a cost perspective, an all-time high, as you mentioned, just the dynamics of the markets, so really the capital markets at play there, the secondary markets where loans are sold. You're just seeing those execution levels come down from where they've been historically. We say liquidity is the lifeblood of this business, but if there's uncertainty, which I think we can all collectively agree there is right now and so much of it. From the the borrower side, you know, what that means is is good and bad, I would say. Good from the perspective of more competition right now. Everyone's fighting harder to get loans. It's a much smaller overall market, total market size, if you think about for, for residential lending. So naturally more competition. You have certain types of origination channels. You've started to see these, these quote unquote price uh, wars continuing. So I think we'll see that continue. You're seeing those that feel they need to lean into price more than, than they maybe traditionally have. So that's the good side of it from the borrower perspective. From the bad side, just being your profits are constrained, your costs to originate are at an all-time high. For those lenders that aren't spending money, you think about from a 
technology investment perspective or just finding overall ways to better measure productivity, both from a, a sales and an operational standpoint. I think you're going to have those and unfortunately have to pass on those costs, right? You have to almost embed those costs. You can only absorb them. And like you mentioned earlier, what's unique about this cycle is there isn't, it, it's, it's, there's a long game here. There isn't, you know, many have said maybe rates will come down some, but there isn't going to be another refi wave to really save us. And I think I always like to look back kind of being, being in the business now for a little over 15 years, bit of a historian, like looking back at past cycles, there was typically a year out, maybe 18 months out, pretty significant refi wave. I don't know that we'll see that, um, you know, that gets into the whole soft landing versus, versus recession and, and how we get, it will ultimately get inflation to come down to the, the true Fed target of 2% or uh, running a little bit above 2%. Higher costs being passed through, but at the same time, also competitiveness. So maybe relatively competitive rates, but the absolute rates are higher due to the market rates going up. So a net net sort of negative for both borrower and lender. Is that is that sort of how it sums up? It does. And I think, you know, purely from I'm a, I'm a cap markets guy at heart. So purely too, from an execution side, you, you just need stability in rates. Right. And that's that's the liquidity side of it. You, know, you don't want volatility in the markets. It becomes more expensive to hedge. Uh, thus, that can be additional pass through cost to the consumer. If we can just get a bit more certainty on the the forecast for inflation, kind of forward looking for rates, that all just stands to alleviate some of those costs and kind of the risk management side of the house and ultimately drives down that overall cost or that end sort of rate, rate and, and points or cost structure to the end consumer. Yeah, that, that makes sense. We, we've seen many layoffs in, in the mortgage industry. We're actually now seeing some layoffs in tech. Do you think there are more to come within the mortgage industry? There are more rationalization, more layoffs, more cost cutting? I would love to say there there aren't going to be. I think I'm in that that school of thought and camp of there are more to come. I look at it kind of through a lens of just purely capacity. This has been a an industry that's been over capacity in terms of 2020 and 2021, and, and this normalization or this sort of calibration, getting closer to a a more natural equilibrium is necessary. That then comes further downsizing, uh, potential increased M&A. I just don't think enough has occurred. I do feel that there's a bit more pain to come. You also have some telltale signs, I think, that contribute to that when you think of in the mortgage servicing or MSR space, you've had a lot of lenders selling servicing to inject short-term capital, right? It's a very tends to be a, a fairly liquid market. It certainly is now with, with the run-up in rates. Uh, you've got long loans staying on portfolios longer, or that duration, as we talk about, is is extending for those loans. The concern I have is you've now got the market inundated with supply. So you've had a lot of lenders flooding that market with overall supply. As a part of that, if you don't have demand meeting it right, the, the, the overall value of that asset is going to devalue. So those companies that had looked to maybe sell some MSRs, may now be forced to find new ways to shore up capital. But then they're going to have to kind of switch the uh, the pendulum back over to the, the expense management or cost side. So that's where I do sort of see with that, unless we start to see you know, more demand in that MSR space, that being kind of the main vehicle for a lot of those independent mortgage banks out there, but we're also seeing banks as well. Yeah, and for those who, who are not deep into, into mortgage lingo, so mortgage servicing rights is basically 
the payment that's being made to the servicer who services the mortgage. And as the mortgage stays on book longer, which will happen when rates go up, that asset becomes more valuable. Now, you also mentioned sort of mergers and acquisitions. Are, are you seeing that in the industry? Do you think long-term, is that a good or a bad thing that, that we see consolidation and mergers and acquisitions happening? I think long-term, it is a good thing. I, I talked a bit about just kind of that, that recalibration and equilibrium with M&A certainly comes more layoffs and, and consolidation uh, for the, 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 both the acquiring or, or the acquiree company. So, so I, I think it's a good thing long-term that we did have a lot of new entrants into the space over the last few years come off two historic years in terms of profitability in 2020 and 2021. I think it's really going to be, talked about earlier in the conversation, it's going to be those that, that can they can weather it and stay the course, but also have, have been through this before, right? Or, or understand what needs to be done from a, a technology perspective or a sales perspective uh, or, or purely from a risk management perspective. Uh, so I, I, I think we'll see more. We've already starting to see a bit more uh, being talked about in the industry, kind of what's the 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 natural size or ideal size for someone considering acquisition, as I mentioned, not having maybe as much of that servicing asset to sell, it maybe devalues, potentially devalues that company. So finding somewhere strategically that they could they could, you know, partner or merge if that's from a footprint perspective. We've seen some examples recently of certainly larger players, right? Acquiring some smaller players. I've heard roughly in kind of the the maybe one to certainly less than five billion, but maybe like the one to two, one to three billion sort of origination size or platform size being attractive. Uh, but looking at it regionally, right? We say this often, not all markets are created equal. So what markets fit well, if you're looking to potentially expand or complement your existing footprint. So I do expect to see more of that as we get into the year. You know, they're going to be those that that ultimately either sell because they they think that this is kind of the peak in terms of their their enterprise value and the valuation of the company, or those that just aren't seeing those headwinds ease. With rising rates, we also obviously see a shift away from from uh, refi to more purchase. Right there, I think technology and speed is important and and, and a smooth process. We're seeing new mortgage providers, including fintechs. How, how are they performing in this market? That's a great question. I, I would say I don't think anyone's immune to the pain. So I definitely think there are those that are finding ways to grow and grab market share and performing better benchmark within our data sets uh, and, and a few of the fintechs we have. There are certainly those that are outperforming. Uh, and then I think there's others just, you know, for as you mentioned, direct to consumer or kind of the fintech side, you've seen a lot of emphasis on uh, closing ability, how quickly, right? We're talking about speed and ease or convenience, like how quickly we can close your mortgage. I think you're going to see kind of more of those fintechs of, hey, you know, let's say we we don't compete on rate, right? Right? What element do we compete on? And maybe that service, but how much of the market qualifies for a one-day mortgage? Is it a you get away from a W-2 salaried employee? How complex is that underwrite? I think that's going to be interesting. But yeah, they're. I wouldn't say overwhelmingly they're outperforming. You think about all fintechs, but certainly there are some definite outperformers in that class. And and when we think about it from a competitive standpoint, we talk to to our clients often. Is is do you get banks and FIs thinking? They compete against fintechs or fintechs thinking they compete against banks. I think neither want to really say they compete, but in the end they do, right? They're both originating mortgages. They're both competing for uh, for borrowers. They both have you know some form of, of a servicing book and are going after. They're trying to recapture their existing clients. So it'll be be interesting. I think it's all good for the industry. I think that innovation, that comp natural competition, helps drive innovation 
helps create efficiencies, the lower costs we talked earlier about just rising origination costs. I think that could create some potential benefits and drive down that overall cost. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see. It's certainly not something that's going to be figured out in the next 12, 18 months. That's just going to be a new entrance that I do see sustaining and, and weathering the storm in terms of this new market for interest rates. There's a sense that the Fed will continue to slow the pace of rate increases and perhaps even plateau soon. Um, what would that mean for mortgage rates and volumes? The debate for me is really around the, the soft landing versus recession, right? How much of a, and we often talk or is being talked about in the, the news, mild recession. I'm not saying I'm not saying recession in the context of a great recession, but some form of mild recession or is there really this soft landing potential? We're data-driven here at Kyrnos. I always look to see you know, what's, what's the recent inflation trend. So is inflation still being somewhat stubbornly high? Uh, is it moderating? It's certainly not north of 7%. But I think if we can get the soft landing, you know, fantastic. If we don't and we do go the route of recession, then yes, from a rate perspective, I think you'd start to see some some cutting measures from the Fed, I think you would see some downward pressure on rates. And how does that impact the mix? We On an earlier podcast, we had John Sayer on talking about specifically about arms. And this was right in that time when rates were going up really rapidly, right? And people were out there trying to purchase homes, but they were like literally at, by every Fed movement, they were being priced out of the market and they were moving from 30-year fixed to 10 one arms, seven one arms, five one arms, just to keep up with their affordability. What are we seeing with that mix 30 year fixed versus arms? Are we still seeing people grabbing onto arms to keep affordability there? We're still seeing it. We're not seeing it to the degree we saw, we saw, I'd say, the kind of peaking in, in October, September, August, September, October of 2022 time period. We've come down to sort of the lower end of that range. So when I talk about total, uh, originations, that's across all product types, uh, all origin origination channels we track. I'd say we're roughly around about 10 to 11% of total being on an ARM product uh, for us. Definitely tracking the right direction uh, and starting to come off some of those lows we saw uh, November and December of last year. Finally, we're, we're asking each guest, what uh, is a term or an acronym or lingo that you would either like to retire because it's overused or that you would like to redefine because we're, we're actually using the term incorrectly? What, what, what is that term or acronym for you? Term? I, I would probably say it's a toss-up between unprecedented, again, describing 2020 and 2021, or uh, pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, I guess, would be a close runner-up. I feel it's, you know, we look at everything historically. Uh, as we're trying to gain insight into the markets and, and comparing this cycle versus prior cycles. Uh, I so often struggle with that of can we truly say post-pandemic or if we're looking at historical data is 2019 pre-pandemic, how far back do you really need to go to to have a, a fair comparative analysis as you're looking at things? So probably a toss-up between those two, I would say. That's a really good one. Yeah, the unprecedented seem to be used a lot. And, and especially if you're a student of history, there's a lot of precedents, especially if you go back a little bit further, that, that definitely not necessarily always unprecedented. So I, I, I like that one. Now, finally, you brought us a FinSight fact. What is the FinSight fact that you can share with us, uh, Rich? Yeah, so we talked earlier, you know, it's a smaller market size, there's more natural competition. Yeah, we've seen, we're hearing about pricing wars existing out there in the marketplace. My statistic to share was around just pricing variability in the retail production channel for mortgage. We survey 84 uh, MSAs, or just think of metropolitan areas across the country. And, and again, 
given different the varying strategies, given the execution differences, you know where different lenders are selling loans, you know modeling. Uh, we're seeing about 130 basis points of variation. That's 130 basis points in fee, not rate, a variation in price as we look, compare the high uh, to the low in terms of those 84 markets. So it is just, it, there's so much differentiation in price, much more than we've ever seen. Why that is, is I think lenders are looking into how they can optimize price, you know, take advantage. Not all markets are created equal, as I mentioned. So looking at them, evaluating them differently, maybe lenders that, that have one national price, despite lending in you know, 40 different states, uh, taking a much more you know, tactful approach in what makes sense. Do you price it at regional levels? Do you price it at super regional levels? Uh, but that was a statistic I wanted to share. And that's I would say a 2x or 3x higher than we traditionally have seen in our historical data, but seeing a lot of variability right now as you compare market to market. And the term we like to use is the juice worth the squeeze. It's a, there's a lot of discipline, a lot of mechanics involved in setting a true localized or regional price strategy. But I think what we see playing out in the data, there's tremendous benefit. I mean, 130 basis points is by no means a small number. So see those lenders that are, are willing to as you take on the risk, but just willing to invest the time right and the resources into to optimizing that and you know, uh, really having a localized price as they think about their customer base and as they think about their footprint. Yeah, certainly something to look into. Thank you for that FinSight fact. And thank you again, Rich, for joining us today. My pleasure. As always, thank you to the Kiranos Finsights team. Robin Seidel is our Director of Thought Leadership. Editing and production by our Senior Designer, Adrian Cohen. Project Management by our Marketing Communications Manager, Megan Brazette. Music is by Vision Studios. I'm your host, Rutger Van Fassen. You can find more insights at kiranos.com. Please subscribe and like wherever you listen to podcasts.